From the Christian Research Institute in Charlotte, North Carolina, you're listening to the Bible Answer Man broadcast with Hank Hanegraaff. We're on the air because life and truth matter. The mission of the Christian Research Institute is to equip believers to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. For more information, resources, or to donate to CRI, call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. The following program was pre-recorded. And now, here's Bible Answer Man host, Hank Hanegraaff. Thank you much, Randy. Right to our callers. First up, Gary, listening in Springdale, Arkansas. Hi, Gary. Hi, Hank. Thanks for taking my call. I was listening yesterday, and perhaps I misunderstood, but it started to sound like the tribulation uh, that we read about in the book of Revelation. It sounded like you were saying that it's already happened. And I I don't mean to be contradictory, but I've I've been... uh, always going to churches where they think that it's going to happen in the future, and there's an Antichrist and a one-world government and all this kind of stuff, then that hasn't happened yet. And I would just like you to clarify uh, the that, if you would, please. Sure. I've written about this in a number of different places. The Complete Bible Answer Book Collector's Edition, revised and updated as well as a book titled The Apocalypse Code. Find out what the Bible really says about the end times and why it matters today. And the point that I've been making consistently on this broadcast is that I do not think that there is a verse or a group of verses that in any way communicate that the great tribulation that Jesus was prophesying has something to do with the 21st century. Now, Jesus did say, in this world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. But in the Olivet Discourse, and of course, Revelation is John's expanded Olivet Discourse, Jesus is pointing out that the tribulation that he's referring to is going to take place within a generation. And he points back directly to what was said by Daniel. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, and then he tells them this is the time to get out of Dodge, as it were. And of course, Jesus is directly and specifically referring back to what Jews celebrate during Hanukkah. He's talking about what happened when Antiochus IV Epiphanes, the Old Testament Antichrist, was seeking to Hellenize the Jews. And ultimately, what is celebrated at Hanukkah is freedom for the Jews under Judas Maccabeus and his forces. And as a result of the stalwart opposition to the Antichrist, Antiochus IV Epiphanes, the temple was not destroyed, it was only desecrated. But Jesus is now pointing back to that event and saying that this is emblematic of what is going to happen when the temple will not only be desecrated, but it will be manifestly destroyed. Remember, Jesus said, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. So that tribulation is the tribulation in view, at least in the Olivet Discourse. Now, does that mean that there will not be Antichrist in our epoch of time? Of course not. John 
in his epistle talks about Antichrist. Of course, nowhere else does he talk about Antichrist, but only in his epistle where he says already there are many Antichrists. Many Antichrists have come. And then he identifies Antichrist as anyone who denies that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Now this is just basic Bible, so shouldn't be at all controversial. Okay. Well, I guess I was coming from the standpoint of uh, some of the Left Behind books and some of the Rapture movies and where there's a one-world government and everyone gets the mark and no one can buy or sell without the mark and and that kind of stuff. And and so I was just wondering if that uh, you were saying that that's not going to happen or it did already happen somehow. Well, I'm not saying that there's not going to be tribulation. Of course there's going to be tribulation, and if you live in the Middle East right now and you're facing mass genocide as a Christian, you certainly know what tribulation is all about. But the idea that the Bible is prophesying something specifically in the 21st century is simply ill-founded. The prophecies in Scripture have been fulfilled, and they have been fulfilled so that we can trust the Scripture as a reliable authority for faith and practice. And so the prophecy that Jesus made has been fulfilled. Now, obviously, outside the church, there are skeptics. There are those who want to say that Jesus is a false apocalyptic prophet, because in the very passage that I referenced, the Olivet Discourse, he talks about the sun being darkened, the moon not giving its light, the stars falling from the sky, and the heavenly bodies being shaken. And they say Jesus thought that uh, the world would end within a generation. It didn't. So no amount of obfuscation on the part of Christians can absolve Jesus of being a false apocalyptic prophet. But as I've pointed out, anyone that has read the Bible knows that Jesus was using the language of the Old Testament prophets, and he, being a greater prophet than them all, is taking the language and applying it to what is going to happen when Jerusalem is destroyed. So the Old Testament prophets used the language of the sun being dark and the moon not giving its light, the stars falling from the sky, to talk about the fall of kingdoms. The most notable Isaiah 13, where... There's a prophecy about the Medes and the Persians putting out the glories of the Babylonian Empire. So again, biblical students, or those who have at least read through the Bible once, know that. And so Jesus is using that language, and the skeptic is simply found to be ignorant of the language of Scripture. But it's one thing for skeptics who are not conversant with the Bible to make these kinds of claims. It's quite another for Christians to follow in their train. I see. Well, I appreciate your answering this, and I, I apologize for seeming contradictory. I've only read the Bible six or seven times, and I'm learning more and more. But I, a lot of churches are telling it a different way, so it's a little confusing. Well, again, I'm glad you asked the question. I answer that question all the time, but what am I trying to do? My comments are meant to get those listening in to dig into the Word of God, because otherwise what you have is sort of a personality cult. Well, one person says one thing, the other person says another thing. What am I to believe? Obviously, you don't want to believe what the skeptic says, who says Jesus is a false apocalyptic prophet, but perhaps you do not want to listen to those 
modern prophecy pundits who are misinterpreting the scripture because they're not that familiar with the Bible either. So the whole impetus for me doing what I'm doing is to get people to dig into the Word of God, get the Word of God into them, and therefore being able to rightly discern the signs of the times as opposed to wrongly reading tea leaves. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for your uh, answering so nicely, and uh, I hope to be doing exactly that, the rightly dividing thing. So uh, thank you again. You got it, and thank you so much for calling me right here on the Bible Answer Man broadcast. This is a subject, just for some historical reality here, those who have followed the Bible Answer Man broadcast for any period of time will remember that for the first 15 years of my ministry, when people asked me questions in this regard, I would give the various views, but I wouldn't give my own. And there was a reason for that. I take very seriously every word I speak in the studio. Because I have learned over the years that people make life decisions based on what I'm communicating. So I still come into the studio with fear and trembling, not because I'm afraid of a microphone or people, but because James says, let not many of you be teaching, because with teaching there is a stricter judgment. So after 15 years, after 15 years of very painstaking study, I still remember walking and going over the book of Revelation in my mind, or going over the Olivet Discourse over and over and over again, and then seeking to interpret what I was going over in my head by way of what Scripture has already said. And this is what we are to do. We are not to go off on subjective flights of fancy, but we are to test Scripture in light of Scripture. And after 15 years, I finally felt that I could give my own opinion on this. And by the way, my opinion on this is in concert with, at least generally speaking, with what the church has taught throughout its history. The whole notion that's now being popularized in the West is very, very modern and new. But again, unfortunately, people know more about what happened in the last 24 hours than the last 24 years, or for that matter, 48 years, or 248 years. So we need to be not only literate biblically, but historically as well. Coming back from the break, we'll take more of your calls right here on the Bible Answer Man broadcast, so please don't touch that dial. Every Bible Answer Man broadcast, such as the one you're listening to right now, is made possible through the financial support of friends like you. Each month, we depend entirely on God's provision through His people to bring you more of the broadcast, podcast, and other resources you rely on. If you want a sound proclamation and defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ to continue to be heard through the outreaches of the Christian Research Institute, become a member of CRI's support team today. Call 888-7000-CRI and stand with CRI daily in the battle for life and truth. That's 888-7000-CRI. Or visit our website at equip.org. We'll return shortly with more from Hank Hanegraaff. 
The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles to equip believers in doctrine, defense, and discernment. The Christian Research Journal's primary commitment is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In keeping with this commitment, the journal's mission is both evangelistic and pastoral, furthering the proclamation and defense of the historic gospel of Jesus Christ and helping his followers distinguish between essential Christian doctrine and doctrine that is peripheral, aberrant, or heretical. In an age of subjectivism and moral relativism, may Christians ground their faith and values in the objective, reliable testimony of Holy Scripture. Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today. Call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. That's equip.org. Bertrand Russell famously said, most people would rather die than think, and many of them do. Not so with CRI support team members. Support team members are not only serious thinkers, but their membership in CRI's support team helps to equip hundreds of thousands of fellow believers around the globe each and every month. Are you not a member? Then you're missing out. Not only do support team members form the backbone of Christian Research Institute's outreaches, but they enjoy their selection of resources from our Equipping Essentials Library and receive a complimentary subscription to CRI's award-winning Christian Research Journal, just two of the benefits of membership. To discover how you can make a difference 24-7 in equipping believers at home and abroad to stand for life and truth, check out the benefits of membership at equip.org. Has God spoken? Are the words of Scripture merely human in origin, or are they in fact the very words of God Himself? Three years in the making and based on two decades of research and reflection, Hank Hanegraaff's monumental book, Has God Spoken?, answers what is surely the most important question facing our world. In Has God Spoken? Memorable Proofs of the Bible's Divine Inspiration, Hank counters the contentions of the Bible attackers and clearly shows that belief in the Holy Scriptures is not a guess or wishful thinking. It is the only logical conclusion after an honest examination of overwhelming evidence. Order Has God Spoken? from the Christian Research Institute by calling 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org, equip.org. Once again, here is Hank Hanegraaff. Let's go back to the phone lines, talk to Jeff, listening in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Hank. I just want to say I appreciate your ministry. I love the Word of God, and, and I wait anxiously for the appearing of Christ and when He comes. Um, but I'm, and I'm, I'm doing my hardest. I'm, I'm trying to, with the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the study, to work out my, my eschatology. I know there's so much out there, but I've heard something recently that's caused me to just question or just, just want to get your opinion. The Hedron Collider in, I think it's in Switzerland, there's some things that are happening there that what they're really doing there is trying to create, they have like some type of a God particle that they can create portals that would allow 
um, extraterrestrials or to, to go into another um, another dimensions or something to that effect, and and then also something about Abaddon ascending that that is also fulfillment of of Revelation. I just want to see what what you have on that. Well, no, what is not fulfilling Revelation? What we have in the scriptures has been spoken so that we might know that God has spoken. I told you these things before they happen, so when they happen, you might know and believe. And the Lord himself is so clear in saying, when you see these things fulfilled, you'll know that your metal gods, your gods of wood and stone, are not the fulfillers. This has to be the hand of the one who spoke in the universe leapt into existence. Now, conspiracy theorists surmise that CERN, the European Organization for Nuclear Research, or CERN, that their real purpose is not to scientifically unlock the fundamental structure of the physical universe, but rather to create a gateway for apocalyptic demons. All of that is just sheer nonsense. The one thing that we already know is that demons are there to tempt us. And therefore, we are called to put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against principalities and powers of darkness. And if we put on the full armor of God, we're invincible in spiritual warfare. If we do not do so, we're guaranteed casualties. So there are a couple issues here. Number one, we have a conspiracy theory that has no basis in fact whatsoever. Great for selling and sensationalism, but not great for those who care about truth in a post-truth culture. But the other problem is that people are trying to read modern-day events into biblical passages. And that's what's called eisegesis. They're imposing a pretext on the text as opposed to learning to mine from the text what God has placed in the text. Now, in terms of the God particle, the Higgs boson particle, I mean, it's important to realize that people have a misconception of what that is as well. I think we did an article in the Christian Research Journal on this very issue, just to help people with clarification. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's gotten as bad as uh, the planets are actually... Um, angels, fallen angels, um, that the earth, the middle earth is actually a holding cell or a holding place for all these demons and spirits. And, you know, I, I, I'm with you, Hank, man. I want to know truth. I want, I want to know the truth of the Word of God. And, man, it's so difficult for people who are followers of the way and they want to know those things. There is so much stuff out there, um, you know, it, it, with, with, with people like you, who love the Lord and love the Word and want to help out us believers. You know, I love and appreciate that in you, and and, uh, you're right. It's very easy for us, if we're not careful, to get caught up in some of that sensationalism. I appreciate what you just said, Jeff. appreciate those kind words. And let me add that this does not happen without a cost. The people that are communicating these kinds of conspiracy theories, the people that are prophecy pundits today using sloppy journalism, selling sensationalism, script torture and the like, they mount a very vicious campaign against those who seek to take answers and answer them not 
with newspaper eschatology, but rather answer them from Scripture interpreted in light of Scripture. And it costs us tremendous amounts of money. And it's always very, very difficult. It's not popular. The kind of beratement and the kind of disinformation that is communicated, not only about me personally, but about our organization as a result, is sometimes hard to stomach. But in the end, when I lay my head on the pillow, the one thing that I always tell myself is, I am doing what I'm doing ultimately for an audience of one, which is to say I want to be pleasing to the Lord because it is to him that I will give an account for what I have said over these almost 30 years of doing the Bible Answer Man broadcast. Let's go back to the phone lines, talk to Sandy, listening in Kansas City, Kansas. Hi, Sandy. Hi there. Hank, we love your show. Um, My kids and I listen to it driving home sometimes, and and we're just so thankful that this ministry is on the radio. Thank you, Sandy. Um, And we're, yeah, um, we were in a discussion last night with another, um, she was a teenager, and and my kids are teenagers, and um, they were kind of discussing back and forth the notion, she had the notion, and I, and I don't know this to be true. I, I, quite honestly, I need to get further into the scriptures myself. But she had the notion that if we sin and we then die and, and we go to hell, you know, if we are a sinner and we've never accepted Christ and we go to hell, her notion was that we will not burn for eternity. Our soul will not be in hell burning for eternity because that would just be torturous and um she couldn't understand if a if a christ if a god that loves us so much you know why would he torture us for our wrongdoings for an eternity and so i've always thought that yes the soul would go to hell and be there for eternity, just as if our soul would go to heaven if we are Christians, if we are walking with the Lord, our souls would go to heaven for eternity. Can you speak to that notion? Can you kind of give us a little bit of guidance? She was looking for specific scriptural references. So I was at a loss, and I think my kids were too. (laughs) Yeah, a couple of things that I would say. First and foremost, let me point out that those that go to hell, and hell is not a present reality, There's a time when death and Hades are thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. But those who go to hell go there not to be tortured. They suffer torment, but that's a far different idea than torture. The torment is that they are separated from the love and the goodness and the grace and the glory of God. Now, why is that torment? It's torment because we are created for fellowship with God. We are created to be brought into the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And spending eternity separated from that is nothing less than torment. But it's not just torment in what will happen in the future. It is torment in the present. Because those who are still in flesh, if they're separated from the love and goodness and glory of God by their own choices, there is a torment to that. Again, the torment is that they were created for something much more glorious than that. The other thing I'd point out is it's important to recognize that when we are resurrected, 
we are resurrected with not just a soul, but with a soul returning to a body, and a body that is now immortal, imperishable, incorruptible. And all people are resurrected, which is to say that Jesus Christ said, do not be amazed at this, a time is coming when all who are in the graves will come out. Some will rise to live, and some will rise to be eternally condemned. So for Christ, the creator of the cosmos, there is no doubt whatsoever that there is an irrevocable reality of hell. But think about it, Sandy, if there were not, there'd be no choice. If there's no choice, there's no common sense, because common sense dictates that without hell, there would be no need for a savior. And as I've mentioned many times in this broadcast, little needs to be said about the absurdity of suggesting that the creator of the universe would suffer more than the cumulative sufferings of all of humankind if there were no hell to save us from. Without hell, there's no need for salvation. Without salvation, there's no need for sacrifice. And without sacrifice, there's no need for a savior. And as much as we may wish to think that all will be saved, common sense precludes the possibility. And why do I say that? I say that because we have wills and God does not violate our will. If God would have created people in such a way that they could not choose to either love him or otherwise, then love wouldn't be real. Love is never real if it's forced. So God gives us the ability to either be participants in his kingdom or those who want to remain part of Satan's kingdom. So hell is simply the perpetuation of the choices we make in this world. Out of time for this broadcast. We'll be right back here tomorrow, Lord willing, with more answers to your questions. And we ask people in the meantime to stand shoulder to shoulder with us in the battle for life and truth. We appreciate you tuning in to the Bible Answer Man broadcast. If you've been blessed by the broadcast and want more information to help you grow in the grace and knowledge of God, go to our website at equip.org. That's equip.org. To contact a resource consultant, call 888-7000-CRI. Again, that's 888-7000-274. Or you can write to us at Post Office Box 8500, Charlotte, North Carolina, zip code 28. The Bible Answer Man broadcast is supported by listeners like you. We're on the air because life and truth matter. The Christian Research Journal is CRI's award-winning magazine, combining eye-catching design with well-researched articles to equip believers in doctrine, defense, and discernment. The Christian Research Journal's primary commitment is to contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In keeping with this commitment, the journal's mission is both evangelistic and pastoral, furthering the proclamation and defense of the historic gospel of Jesus Christ and helping his followers distinguish between essential Christian doctrine and doctrine that is peripheral, aberrant, or heretical. In an age of subjectivism and moral relativism, may Christians ground their faith and values in the objective, reliable testimony of Holy Scripture. Start your subscription to the Christian Research Journal today. Call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. 
That's equip.org.